Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for working women that support each other's successes. In each episode, we bring in leading female powerhouses for career, real talk, and BS-free advice. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today I have an incredible guest, one of my BFFs. I've been keeping her to myself for like a decade, but today I thought I need to share her with you because you guys know I surround myself with stellar humans and you have to be funny if you want to hang. And she's fucking funny. She's hot. She's rich. She's smart. And she's gorgeous, honey. Cassandra Hobbins. Hello. Hello. Currently cringing. (laughs) Currently cringing, honey. You are a power bitch. If I Googled power bitch, you'd pop up. Oh my gosh, you're so kind. And like you always say on your podcast, like attracts like. Yeah, so we met in New York during our fashion days and we have some interesting memories and we worked with a lot of amazing characters. It was never a dull moment. We worked with all women. So our days consisted of talking about guys, sex, period, poop, and food. I mean, we were making bank. (laughs) And instead of using our WAPs for the right reasons, we were busy hustling and, you know, making a lot of money. And I remember one memory because we would go to all the concerts together. And I knew I kind of made it in New York when I think we were row two 
at the Drake concert and Madonna was behind us. Yeah, with her son, remember? And he was just popping off. So fun. Uh, so many fun we memories. Kanye, we went to Drake. Yeah. No, it was wild. I remember like starting at Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah, we went to a lot of concerts. I miss I miss those days. We definitely had an interesting ride in the fashion world, the corporate fashion world in New York. So a lot of money, like you said, and a lot of bitches. <laughs> a lot of bitches. And we just like, I think there's a lot of bonding that happens over, you know, like the stress of fashion and it's such hard work and we'd work till like 10 p.m. And we would, I would only ate candy out of a vending machine. That was Skittles, honey. It was in the days before I chewed. And <laughs> I just remember being so drawn to you because, you know, just to preface it for your listeners, I'm from Canada and I'm like a white straight woman. And you were just this monotone, funny, dark person who like didn't give a fuck what anybody thought or what anybody's doing. And I, I just knew I had to be friends with you. And you also would type so fast. Your fingers are like these long skinny fingers. <laughs> you would just be working like a maniac. And I am re- really drawn to people like that. Cause I'm like that. I work, we work long hours and, you know, we all just really bonded over how extremely stressful and hilarious the work was and the characters at the place. And we kind of flipped it upside down. Like, yes, we broke all the rules that you're not supposed to break when you kind of go into a big fashion company. And there's a lot of people that have been there a long time. We were like flirting with the owner who was like 90. (laughs) I think he was 90 and like Republican. And they were like, Cass, you know, he hates tattoos. So of course I always have my tattoos out. Yeah. You know, like when I left, I photoshopped a photo of mine onto Sarah Palin's and left it on his desk. Oh my God. This, I is, a billion, this is a billion day. dollar CEO founder of like a billion dollar business. <laughs> I would tell him all these jokes in the elevator and he would giggle. But you know, it's so funny. We came from that and now we live these minimalist, quiet lives and we just want to read and meditate. Yeah. I think that all those years were like a blur. And then now, you know, we get older. I'm older than you. I'm not going to let you forget it. We're just tired. (laughs) We're tired and we're still cute. Yeah. Shockingly. (laughs) So we had very different upbringings. Everyone knows mine. I come from a very conservative Indian family. Grew up in a shell. Tell us about yours. Yeah. So just going back to what I said previously, I'm always really drawn. I always have been to people that are complete opposite to me and then we find like so many common threads and I think that that is such a fascinating part of life and and especially cities like New York where people from all walks of life and background are like merged together and you just find these common threads so I listened to your podcast where you were describing your upbringing and I was like wow we couldn't come from two different places yet here we are in the same sort of situation in our lives. And that's why we're friends for one thing. But I grew up in Canada. I wouldn't say I grew up like white trash. I would say we're more like white, we were white compost. Like (laughs) parents were progressive and- You were recycled. We were composted, white people. We weren't exactly throwaway trash. (laughs) We're just middle-class, you know, working family. I'm the only girl. A middle child with two brothers. Um, this has disaster written all over it. 
And I was an early bloomer. So I was like partying. I got my first tattoo when I was 13 at like a Hell's Angels house on his bar. I, you know, had sex for the first time when I was like 14. I was in versions of gangs. I was like really bad, wild um, partying. And um, then I just kind of pivoted and became a raver. I just was wanted to get out of there. I grew up in a small city in Canada. And I kind of was raised with like, after we got taught how to drive, you're on your own. Like, get a job, figure it out, do it yourself. And that freedom led me to figure it out via the route of like getting in tons of trouble and being very, very bad. (laughs) And always trying to figure out how to get out of trouble while maintaining honors grades in school. So I kind of lived like this double life where I was like teacher's pet, kiss assy, then at the food court, smoking cigarettes and like putting them out on people. Like (laughs) I just like was rolling with, you know, anybody who was like the outcast, anybody that was risk taking and like wild. I just, my imagination was so wild that I was drawn to that. So we grew up totally different. Um, I was very like sporty. I was popular, but like in a, in a weird way, like I wasn't an unpopular person. I was popular, but I always felt like I didn't belong. And I think that's maybe where we, we connect and bond as well. I always felt like there was something else out there for me. I needed to get out of there. I felt like there was a purpose in my life, something bigger. I was just very ambitious. I was very driven and I was very curious about the world. And I just wanted to get out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I brought, was brought up. And strict parents, but in the way of strict after the fact, <laughs> after I already committed the crime. <laughs> I mean, you taught me about Special K. Yeah, I did all the drugs. But you know what? I'm so glad that I actually had that opportunity to grow at a young age because when you like, have parents that are taking care of you and you have a roof over your head, and it's Canada for one thing, <laughs> like Canada is a totally different place than here. It's, there's not so much that you can fuck up in a permanent way. And I failed hard and fast when I was young. And I really quickly got to working on the person that I wanted to be as an adult yes. and an independent person that I wanted to be in a, as an adult. And honestly, in Canada, like in the nineties, cause you know, I'll get people to guess my age here. This is like 1995. I grew up in like the Texas of Canada, Alberta. I was, you know, exposed to rap, hip hop, skateboarding, raves, LGBTQ plus community in like 95 different cultures. I hung out with all walks of life, Indians, Asians, black people. Like I was drawn to that growing up. I wasn't afraid of that. I wanted more of that. And that kind of pushed me to almost create my own chaos because I was seeking out just something different. It's just something different and new. But like I said, it, it got me to really, like, God forbid I would have that kind of phase when I was like 28. Because I've... Um, hashtag hi, hello. You, um, that was me. <laughs> I did all that when I was 28. My New York years, I did it all, honey. I tried everything. I did everything. But at least I got it out of the way and I did it. I can't look back with any regret because I did it all there. Yeah. And I did it. Thank God. I, I say this all the time. I did it with in an era where there was no social media. I was, I was just horrible, but who is it when they're 13, 14, 
you're like peer pressured. You're trying to figure it out. And back in the day, like you probably remember we're, we're girls, we're straight girls. And it's like, you were rolling in those crowds of gossip and there was no internet. So it was just word of mouth and how mean people could be. And I, I was mean myself. And I was also, people treated me bad as well. I had like cystic acne phase. I had a sweating problem phase. I had my anorexic phase. And it's like, so we went through all that, but in private. Thank God. And not on the internet. Thank you, God. Like, thank God. Because if I couldn't erase that or couldn't grow from that, or I was held to the standard that I had set for my life at 14, the therapy bill is already through the roof. (laughs) You married for love. Yes. Got divorced. Tell us a little bit about that. Growing up, like I said, I always kind of felt like the outcast. I had boyfriends, but because of my eating disorder, thankfully, in you know, sorry if this is triggering to anyone, but it's just my truth. And it really kept me from sleeping around. I didn't, I wasn't really like, I would sleep with guys like once and then maybe never again, because I was so insecure about my body. And I'm really glad because looking at, you know, how I could have turned out, um, it could have been a totally different trajectory for me. And so I really tried to avoid guys because of my eating disorder and I became one of the guys. That was always my MO. Be one of the boys. It's going to protect you. It's going to keep you safe. They'll think you're funny. They won't mess with you and they'll respect you. And that was always really important to me. And it still is. And when the internet came on, we were like, wow, I'm not a freak. There's people in other cities that are actually like me. Maybe I'm just living in the wrong place. Again, the, the height of my space just introduced me to so many, like some of my best friends today are still like friends that I met on MySpace. It just introduced me to the fact that maybe I was living in the wrong place. I, I just didn't belong. And I met my husband on MySpace, fell madly in love because I felt for the first time as an insecure, lost woman, young woman, especially when university ends and you're like, well, okay, so now what am I, how do I become an adult? Suddenly, like, how do I, how do I remove the safety net of my parents' life, the the life that my parents are currently providing for me and just become an adult in like one day? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so it provided me like with a sense of security and older men like loved me, um, was cool from LA. And it also was like, okay, great. Like it has this totally different life that's inspiring to me. That's expansive to me. And so we got married. And then we quickly got divorced. (laughs) That's all I'll say about it. But it was for love. And I just felt for the first time that someone loved me, to be honest with you. And that was it. It was just like, wow, so this is what it feels like to have someone love me, even if that love is unhealthy. I still want to experience that and still haven't experienced that in my life. So I'm almost addicted to that feeling of someone being in love with me. Again, like learning lesson very young, which I'm glad I learned very, very young and that, you know, kids didn't become a part of the equation. And I got to move on and grow from that, which I did in so many ways. And honestly, like if I even saw him today after everything that went down, I would be like, thank you. And I'm sorry as well, because there's no training manual when you're 22 or 23 on how to be a healthy partner and how to have a healthy relationship, you know? So yeah, I definitely was a brat and I definitely, but I was just figuring it out and that's okay. 
totally okay. And I definitely relate to you. And we talked about this a lot back in the day when you hate your body so much, you don't want to have sex with anybody. Yeah. I remember I even had to lie about being, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to use outdated terms, but this is, this all happened in the nineties. So people like, don't, don't come for us. Like I'm legit old. Um, <laughs> she looks, she looks 14, but she, <laughs> I had to act sluttier than I actually was. Like I had to lie about things that I actually was doing with guys, which would usually backfire because then it was like a girl that, you know, your friend liked that you weren't supposed to da da da. But I was so uncomfortable with my body and I did everything in my power to hide it that even being hugged or being touched made me very uncomfortable. We grew up in those families. There's no touchy feely stuff going on. So I'm learning that now every day to be affectionate, to be touchy feely. And my ex taught me that as well, because he was, you know, a very loving person. And I think when you don't love yourself, how can you love someone else? Or like just how you were shown your love language as a kid. And, you know, we have baby, we have baby boomer parents and they grew up very different. And they, it's like- And it was with things. Yes, and it's a hundred percent. It was with things. That's how love was shown. It's like, you don't get love all year, but then Christmas, the amount of presents, the gifts, the that, it's like all there. Okay, that's how you show love. Like love was through buying you stuff. and. So I got really good at doing things to myself to get attention and to for people to show me love, which meant harming my body, getting in trouble, doing bad things. And I'm like, hindsight's always 2020, but now I'm like, oh, I, I would just wanted someone to show me love, attention. That's it. I just want someone to listen and love me, which is why I became quotation marks funny, right? I thought, <laughs> oh, people like to be around me when I make them laugh. Yeah, same. Same. It's a defense mechanism. And so then you move to New York, you climb up the ranks in fashion pretty quickly, and then you join NBC's fashion star. This is, again, like we have such similar trajectories. It's so funny. I left the job that we were at. I just quit, which caused such a scandal. I remember they were trying to get me to stay, like throwing me all this, uh, these offers, and I couldn't tell them where I was going. So I had- Because you were talented, honey. You're talented. So no, I, honestly, you. I was not talented at a job. I honestly think they just kept me on because I was funny. Like I just made everybody laugh. And that's the only reason why I wasn't fired. But I got hired because I was funny. When it came to the work, I was like, I don't know how to be basic. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to make design clothes that everybody will love. I am like the type of person that I know how to, my taste and, and my personality is for like five people. Like it, it's not for thousands of people. And so, yeah, anyways, I had my own brand at one point in my life and that caught the attention of NBC. They were like, okay, we want you to be on the show. And I'm like, okay. And much like you, because I'm actually really uncomfortable with, um, especially at that point in my life, I had been divorced for a while. I was very... I am very introverted, but I was very much a hermit, very much hiding from the world, hiding from anybody who would ask me about it. I was just insecure, you know, insecure all around. And it was kind of like an exposure therapy experiment for me as like coming out to the world, almost like I'm not afraid. Like I'm not afraid to, for people to know who I am, to see what I do, et cetera, et cetera. 
that's at least what I thought. And that's how I acted during the filming. But then when it actually aired, I realized I am not equipped for this. <laughs> like the minutes one person said something bad about me, I was like, I, I want to die. But you won runner up, honey. Like that's a huge deal. You got picked up by everybody, all the department stores, which was huge at the time. And this all leads me to now toxic fashion. Yeah. And we'll briefly touch on this because hopefully it's changing. We see it's changing, you know, in media, but I don't know if it's really changing. But, you know, colorism, sexism, you have these female driven industries and these male CEOs and everyone's got an eating disorder. And I just want people to love themselves. That's really what I want. That experience on the reality TV show. I'm glad I did it. And I'll the weird thing about me is that I'll do anything if if I think a funny story will come out of it. And I almost have to become like a character or a exaggerated version of myself to get over my shyness and my introversion. And so, you know, that really helped me get over a lot. Like it helped me put myself out there. But I will say what I I want people to know about the fashion industry. I think there's so much like false assumptions about it. It is an industry driven for women. You think like 70% of the the products consumed are consumed by women or people that identify as women. And yet at the top, it is almost entirely white straight men, almost entirely. And after the show, I got like another very high profile job at a mass company, a mass corporate company with like a big salary, you know, people on my team, women that are in their fifties that have been almost like Stockholm syndrome in the fashion industry where women are just pitted against each other. And, you know, I I don't know, you know, I think at Tahari, I really tried to like, as a new person, I came in and there was people that had been there for a long time. And my whole thing was like, let's not be bitches to each other. Like we're in this together. We are against the machine and let's be friends. Like there's no point in cutting each other down, but it's crazy. The higher up that I've gotten just to be you know, at a company that's making products for women, and I'm the only woman at the table making final decisions on like, how women shop, what women wear, um, how they when they buy how much they spend, how to message them and market them. It's like, how come that decision isn't being made by actual women? Because what I've learned in my almost 20 year career, is that not all, because I've had some amazing male bosses that have truly taken me under the wing, but there's a game you have to play. And that game you have to play is you have to be one of the boys. You have to sell. There's a piece of me that I had to sell to protect myself, to, to get a seat at that table. And still, still as a white woman, because privilege 99.9% of the, is the reason why I'm there. Still, I, you, you feel dirty. You feel like you're Billy Bush on the access Hollywood bus. Because you're like, you're like selling out. Like you have to be one of the boys and you're in these rooms, you know, as a 20 something hearing the way that they talk about things and, and pitch it. It's, it's very, it's. We're in the locker room. Yes. You're in the locker room, literally. Like, and I don't think people realize that. I think they think it's just like a bunch of women, you know, doing it for women. It's like, no, it's not like that. And the lines are blurred in so many ways because you're the conversation all day is about image and how you look and clothes. And so you're in fittings and the conversations about bodies and you're with models and you're talking about age. And 
you see the shift in in women as they get older and they're still trying to like you know maintain their career in fashion and it's really hard it's really really hard and i don't think that fashion traditional fashion reality tv shows show the right side of it because the kids coming out of fashion school are expecting a totally different journey yes and then they show up to work and their boss is like a 70 year old man yeah eye opening for me too just getting older and and coming up in the early 2000s in the fashion industry how much has changed and honestly like you know i just choose to surround myself with young people that's it because they are the ones who are teaching me change my own trauma and my own bad habits and my own behavior just from being in the machine for almost 20 years yes i love being around gen z because they're so refreshing they're so open minded they don't see color they're just they're just amazing and i love being around them but in the meantime we're still millennials hun and <laughs> you said we've lost a part of us to be at that you know sea level table yeah in that process we've become these i hate the word but it is what it is these alpha hot bitches and you hear those you know stories of oh men want hot girls women want rich men okay but what happens now when we're living in a time where there's a new breed of women i mean there were always there like you had your share back in the day but now there's so many women that are hot and they're rich honey yeah yeah and we are one of those people like <laughs> i'm one of those people you are too if i may say so myself because no one's going to hype you up in this world except you you have to hype yourself up okay before anyone else does so 100% the thing is that we're still being punished as women for hyping ourselves up oh yeah like i don't i don't feel bad like you said about being braggalicious honey <laughs> want it if you got it this is my favorite topic to talk about because um you had a quote that you said on i think on one of your insta stories that was like your vibe determines your tribe and i just love it so so much because this topic is like my favorite as my friend group and as i approach my 40s i'm turning 40 very soon we're all kind of entering this new era this new dawn and all my friends come from wildly different backgrounds as well but powerful women self-made independent um don't need a man outspoken have an opinion not a wallflower not meek uh funny can pay her own way and has also done and accomplished a lot. I know we're very hard on ourselves, but when you look at our actual timelines like you know, to be under 40 and have seen as much and done as much and met as many people, um I think it's a huge accomplishment. It's definitely made things interesting, empowering, but as the binary changes in society with like gender and gender roles and the patriarchy and everything sexuality i think it's also important that we change the binary of our relationships our partnerships our dynamics and age because 39 now isn't what 39 was even 10 years ago 15 years ago and so this movement i mean i know it's always been going on but i think that we're just starting to own it a little bit more and not being afraid to make ourselves smaller and let men know that we like you yes I'm not an alpha power bitch that hates men. I like the D a lot. I have a lot of masculine energy. 
I was basically raised like a boy, which I'm, you know, thankful for because it gave me very tough skin. As something switched in me, just even managing Gen Zers, where I was like, wait a minute, they're not ashamed to eat. They're not ashamed to eat in front of people and they're not ashamed to be a woman. Why am I, why am I toning down my, my femininity? Like, why am I toning down the fact that I'm a woman? Like, again, like I had to really check myself because I love men. And trust me, like I said, I wouldn't, without the support of some men in power who literally protected me and empowered me to be a boss who would turn to me in meetings and be like, you ask Cass, Cass is the boss. I wouldn't be here today. And I think that, you know, we've talked about this before because we have such shining examples of men in our life. This new era of, of men who are older than us and bitter towards us and, and angry towards us does not make sense. Does not make sense to me. Like I'm now like, you know, it's, it's twofold. Amazing examples in our own lives. Like my brothers are the most amazing and least toxic masculine men, men, like hockey player boys with like, who treat women like gold. And then we have like the New York City creative dating scene, which is, you know, tragic because there's 22 year old models walking around and like try to keep a mid 40 man, single man in your, you know, like peripheral when there's 22, like Bella Hadid's walking around Soho. Like, good luck. Good luck. You know, (laughs) but it's like twofold. It's like, we're exposed to that where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm familiar with toxic masculinity. And then when it doesn't exist, I'm like, where is it? Why aren't you objectifying me? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not whatever enough? And then there's the other side where I'm like, where are all the good, where have all the good guys gone? Men and women, straight men and women, because trust me, everyone else has it figured out way better than we do because we are just- Straights should be canceled. Yeah, yeah, we need to be canceled because we cannot figure it out. We need to be- talking to one another. And I do find that there's hope with the younger guys. Like they're, they're more in tune with their feminine sides. And, you know, I don't think the realization is that there's nothing wrong with being an alpha woman, but we need to start talking with men about this kind of stuff openly because they also haven't had the education. We're on the receiving end of their upbringings. And their educations, us as women, alpha women, we are on the receiving end of however these straight men were raised. And what, how were they raised for the most part? I know from my two brothers growing up in a hockey family, be tough, be strong, you know, like be the boss, own it, never cry, never be emotional. And we're on the receiving end of that. So when we come in, like we do, like, you know, we do girl, we come in. Like, I've been here, I've done this, I've traveled here, I only fly first class, uh, I only I only do this, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I, I have a collector chair from here. I only wear old Celine, head to toe, true story. Everybody, you can check me out. <laughs> and they, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're like, tits and ass, tits and ass, tits and ass. Yeah. Which I have, I have like, you know, 30% of both of those things. So same. It's like, it, it's true. I feel like for me personally, and I can only speak from my experience, I feel like there's a disconnect. I'm using Raya and these apps and Instagram to like make genuine connections with like one person or two people and then see how that goes and really like committing to that and putting in the work. 
And then I feel, and I don't know if this is true, so I, I would love to hear from a straight guy if this is true. I just feel the like never ending Cheesecake Factory menu of women in their phones and on their Instagrams. And they're just like, next, next, what's more, what's more, what's more. You're great, but I could do better. Or you're great, but you make me feel bad about myself. So I need someone who makes me feel good about myself because your accomplishments are a mirror on my lack of. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head when you said you're trying to meet one or two people to find a connection. And, you know, speaking of connections, we're on these, I'm on this fucking celibacy throne with my tight WAP. But <laughs> let's, can we, can we normalize celibacy or just not jumping into bed with just anybody? Because to me, you know, I'm big on energy. And for me, sex is energy transfer. So I don't want to sleep with everybody. And I don't want to keep swiping on these apps because to me, that's all low hanging fruit. I'm trying to meet the one or two guys out there that I have a connection. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's hard for me. I'm traditional. Like I'm old school in that way. I'm old fashioned. I've only been in long-term relationships. I haven't really casually dated. I have a few times, which I'll tell you some stories if you, if we have the time to hear them because they're doozies. I just want to meet someone who I want to be in a power couple. And I'm at the stage in my life. I'm divorced. I've been in amazing long-term relationships. I'm still friends with almost all of my exes because I'm not needy. I'm not an attached person and I don't hold grudges. Like I'm a futurist, move it forward, move it forward. I want to just like be in a power couple with someone who, you know, has the same taste as me, the same aesthetic, the same goals, the same income. Like I don't want to be making a guy feel smaller than I make more money than him. And someone who I'm interested in what they do, because a lot of the time as well, like I am so in love with my life and I'm so happy on my own. I don't need a man to make me happy. I get insecure at times where I'm like, am I talking about myself too much? But if Boo has got nothing going on, yeah, I'm only going to be hearing what I'm doing because I'm doing like a thousand things. You're booked and busy, bitch. I'm exactly like you. Energy, I'm attracted to energy. You could be the hottest person in the world, but if energetically I'm not feeling you, there's no point. There's no point in pursuing it for me. Like, don't waste my time. I've got other things to do. And I'd rather not have sex with you because no, no, you can buy that at the sex shop. I can make myself come in three minutes. I can't make myself come to like your ugly ass wardrobe and your bunk bed that you're sleeping on in a studio apartment in Bushwick. You said hot people, right? We talk about this. Okay. I live in Miami. You've lived in LA and New York. I've lived in New York. We're in fashion, honey. We've both been on television. We see hot people for as a job. It's my job to see hot people, okay? Bring me something fun. Bring me a personality. Bring me a brain. It's just really hard to like meet someone naturally. Now, I mean, obviously now with the pandemic, to go back to my point earlier, I want to be in a power couple and it's like I have those power dynamics with my fellow alpha power girlfriends. And I am so confused as to like why it doesn't translate over to the male species <laughs> at all. We have to keep looking, first of all, but I think there is a new breed of guys as well that, you know, they would be interested in dating an alpha female. And like you said, we're not really interested in what you can give us or buy us. What can we do together? 
a true power partnership. Like I get such a high off of seeing my, my gay power couple friends that have dope wardrobes. They dress the same. They, they are like just feeding off of each other's like power and, and sexuality and like oozing confidence. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I, that is what I want. Like dope apartment. Like, and I know this all sounds very service level, but like when you're 39 and you've been divorced and you've gone through some really like hard stuff, like, you know what you want, all this dating and all this, like 20 years of being in the game has to be towards refining what you want. And trust me, I know that these little things that you are like, Oh my God, it's so superficial. I can't say that I won't date him because of like X, Y, and Z being surface level. Those little things are what are going to boil up and bubble up so that you can't get over the big things with one with each other. You know, you won't be able to get over the big hurdles if you're just nitpicking about these little things. That's the thing that you're going to get resented for is like micromanaging all these little details. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very clear on what I want and I'm not going to settle for anything less. I'm open, but I'm not going to settle for anything less. And I think that it's time us females really get comfortable and okay with projecting that energy, which I think you are like amazing and such an expander for doing that versus apologizing for it or like trying to keep that part of us secret so that he asks us out on a second date. <laughs> but I feel now that the, the vibe is like, you know, because of the plethora of beautiful women and young women online and men with starved egos find that, you know, on dates they, with people that you meet online, you're like, oh my God, if I say one wrong thing, I'm, I'm, he's going to ghost me. So I have to, I have to just, I have to curate myself in a way that's exactly what I think he likes. I can't really tell because he only has two photos online and I have 8,000. Um, so he knows all of me, but I know nothing of him. Cool. That's already an uneven dynamic. These younger guys, I have so much hope in them and faith in them because they're, they're just cool with being just friends with females. And they're like cool with leaning into their feminine side. And like, so it's their turn, to be honest with you. We've spent our whole life leaning into our alpha side. I like this new generation because I think men in their 20s, whether it's they're just scared shitless because of everything that's getting exposed. I don't care. I don't know why. I just think that the younger guys that I've at least recently met and talked to seem to just be so much more in touch with their confidence and they they want someone who is aspirational. I love hearing that the first thing I'm like, okay, so like what do you see in me? Because I'm like old. If they're like style, your vibe, like you're cool, I'm like, oh wow, that's awesome because those aren't, you know, that isn't like my body or like you know, you're skinny or something like that. I think that they're it's just they're just more you know, woke and like you have it together. They weren't raised on like toxic masculinity and like traditional gender norms. And I'm here for it. I am here for it. I went on a date the other day with a 29 year old. And, you know, yesterday I got hit on by a 26 year old. And I'm like, Anish, stop living off these restrictions. Like go on the date. So I go on the date with a 29 year old and he opened up to me in a way that no mid-30s or millennial, like older millennial has, or even someone in their 40s. And he said, oh, I'm just being open and vulnerable. Those were the words that came out of his mouth. And I was just like, 
honey, my panties are, you know, in <laughs> like, a I didn't know I was dating Brene Brown. <laughs> exactly. I'm here taking my panties off. So I think, you know, we're here for it. We're here with, we're here for guys with feelings. Yeah. Can I tell you about like my dating experiences to kind of hit this point home? I've only had long-term relationships. I've exclusively dated older. Um, like when I was 30, my boyfriend was 50. Like I always, because I have a certain like maturity to me, even though I'm a total idiot, I still have like a certain, you know, maturity to me and like a certain level of life that I've accomplished. That's a little bit beyond my years in, in the majority of cases. Anyways, always dated older guys. So this summer I, I like got back on the, the last summer, the online dating thing. I slipped back into my old habits of dating these men in their mid forties and or late forties. And girl, let me tell you, I don't know if this is just a singular to New York problem or it's an everywhere problem, but these men, what I noticed, and I listed them all out because I had to call with my medium to like fix this bad habit. I was like, I need to call a psychic. Like I need to literally go supernatural on myself yeah. because I'm a lost cause. And I'm like looking at the list, all men in their forties, mid to late forties. And I noticed a trend that they were at the lowest point in their life. Like either career-wise, financially, personally, emotionally, they're in a low point and they're trying to rediscover their like heyday, you know, like they either missed out on it because they got married too young and had kids and whatever. Now they're divorced, but they're like trying to seek something that to still feel relevant, to still feel like big man, you know, and so entitled, right? Like they didn't think they'd have to work for anything anymore. So like, cool. I'm seeking something to make me feel good because I've lost it. I just noticed that like, like the one guy, the one guy that I dated, I think I told you the story. First of all, we, we, we met on one of the apps. We talk incessantly for weeks because it's COVID. I'm an Aquarius. So I'm attracted to someone's brain immediately. You're smart. We can have banter. You're funny. And you're into like rap, hip hop, traveling, culture, fashion, design, architecture. Okay. Dope. Right. Like we're going to connect sports like I'm a huge sports fan so like great like I'm basically a 16 year old boy like I'm a 16 year old boy like that's I basically that's how I live my life like I'm a 16 year old boy with money and (laughs) (laughs) and we talked and it was great well made a plan to meet and it's because of COVID we wait the two weeks like we do all the proper protocol he lives in Brooklyn I live in Chelsea Manhattan at the point time it's August a heat wave he texts me, we're planning to meet at 7.30. He texts me at five and goes, what's your address again? I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk to your house. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. This guy's 46 years old. And you're going to walk in 110 degree weather for everybody who doesn't live in New York, Brooklyn to Chelsea, which is on the west side of Manhattan. This is about a two and a half hour walk. You're going to walk to my house in 110 degree weather. That already was like weird to me. Cause I'm like, you can't, like, I get it that if you're scared about the trains and COVID, but you can't get an Uber. Like, <laughs> like what? They basically like, something's not right. No, something's not right. So it gets to my house after two, and I'm very shy. I'm very nervous. I am not myself. I have walls up. That's just how I am when I first meet someone. I'm very, very shy and very introverted. And it's hard when you've met someone online and you've had all those first date stories already to then meet in person. Well, of course he shows up smelling disgusting you walked two and a half hours in the heat like he comes over and I'm like do you want to shower <laughs> Ew, not in a sexy way like just growth 
well, then like comes over, yada, yada, yada. It's super awkward. I was like, all right, I don't have anything for you to eat, but we could order. And he's like, oh, you don't? He starts asking me, wow, oh my God, this is the apartment. Because I lived in like a two floor brownstone in Chelsea with a private backyard. Like, <laughs> I'm like, <"Meep." laughs> he was like, this is your place. Like I need a tour. Starts asking me immediately, like assuming almost that I'm either a fraud or that I must have, I must have earned my money somehow other than my career, right? Because it's immediately competitive because we're both creatives and we're both around the same age. Like I'm younger, but like basically once you get to your late thirties, all the same. And he starts questioning me like to the point where he saw all my books because I'm a reader because I'm not a dumb bitch. I read books (laughs) and he goes, wow. So do you read all these books? No, they're just there for sure. They're just props. No, I just bought them for a photo shoot for the gram. You fucking moron. Of course I fucking read the books. So that immediately kind of hit off. Then at the end of the day, he's like, so want to go upstairs and have sex? And I was like, no, no, like what? And that was just kind of like the ultimate example of almost all my dates. Immediately questioning, oh, well, like, how do you get your money? Like, what it up? How much is your rent? How much is this? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And it made me feel bad about myself. It made me feel lesser than. And then he got into this weird competitive dynamic with us where he was trying to one up me with everything. And I felt really bad about myself. And I got to a point, and this was my light bulb moment, was that I realized that I have been in a habit of the goal and the way that so many young women are raised is that the goal is to get the guy to like you. It does not matter if you like him. Your feelings don't aren't considered and they don't even consider it. He didn't consider it. These old guys that are kind of washed has been, it was like, no, like my, my opinion and my feelings in this dynamic are all that matters. And yours don't, he didn't talk to me for like two weeks after that. Then text me, we still friends. And then was like, oh, well, I didn't want to make it a thing, but the distance was really a thing. It took me two and a half hours to walk to your place and two and a half hours to walk back because I made you walk. And I realized that I was just like, do I even really like this guy? But I got addicted to the feeling of someone giving me attention. And I thought on paper, he was the perfect match for me. And I did the thing that bitches like us do, which is like, oh my God, he's like unemployed right now. I'm going to help him like get his get his mojo back. I'm going to help him like motivate him. I'm going to help him like find jobs. And oh my gosh. You want to help everybody. Yes. Like I want to, I was like, oh great. Like he's going to see how much energy I have and he's going to want to do the same thing. No, 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 no. He wants to, he's got like a voodoo doll of me. Like, yeah, no, I, I see that. I see that. I see how that could happen. And that's why I think also now as women, I want to kind of end this amazing conversation we've had. I, I've been saying it. My friends tell me all the time. They're like, my guy friends, of course. They're like, shoot or shoot, Anish. And hey, gir- girls, ladies listening, shoot your shot. Ask a guy out. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. We're in a different time. Yeah, just go for it. Like, that's why I'm like, your Instagram, Insta stories and your podcast is like really, you know, teaching me to just get my own head out of my ass and like stop being entitled, privileged little bitch and just like 
people are not going to like you. Who cares? But like, just be communicative because whatever narrative is going on in your head is a thousand times worse than reality, you know? And women just need to go for it and get it and not make yourself smaller, like physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, like own it because you're so right in niche. Like your vibe determines your tribe. And you can always tell what someone by looking at their surroundings, who they surround themselves with, what books they read, what activities they do, how they eat, how, like all that stuff. Like it all plays into like who, what you're attracting. So, you know, we got to just like boost your confidence. And to the men out there, just not be afraid to lean into your feminine side. Like there's nothing to be afraid of. Learn from the youngins. Yeah. I mean, these youngins, we need to have like a town hall with like, <laughs> like 20 somethings. 20 something year old men. They have so much to teach. Like, I'm not kidding you. This Gen Z has so much to teach. And on that note, I'm going to end with everyone listening, men, women, all of you. Do not dim your light to let others shine. Thank you, Cass, for coming. Thanks for having me. Loved having you. Always a pleasure. And everyone, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.